Welcome to Take This Poem Podcast, where we explore the rich, wild things that good poems can do in the everyday lives of ordinary folks. I'm your host, Mary Guidis. Whether you're a longtime poetry lover like I am, or just barely interested, I invite you to take this poem. I hope it amends the soil of your life. August has been a wonderful month of me gathering poets and poet lovers around my dining room table. And today I have one of my favorite friends, local friends, Carrie Adams here, um, to talk a little bit about capital R romantic poetry. So I'm kind of surprised I've made it eight months into this podcast without really sharing any romantic poetry. That was kind of bothering me. And I know Carrie is my fellow romantic poem lover friend. So thanks for being here today, Carrie. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Mary. I'm so glad you can be here to read some of this romantic poetry with your lovely voice. So Carrie was a high school and middle school English teacher for many years and had the joy of introducing students to romantic poetry and the beautiful language and themes thereof. So she's brought a few poems today to read and to maybe speak to a little bit about what she likes about them or how they went in her classes or whatever you feel like really Carrie. <laughs> so which one would you like to start with? I think that this poem by William Wordsworth is a perfect introduction to romantic poetry. It is a lovely collision of some of the most deeply held tenets of romanticism and romantics. And so often I would introduce my unit on romanticism with this poem. Remind us what some of those tenets are. Yes, so the romantics were reacting to rationalism, they were reacting to um, the worship of logic, and were celebrating moments of engrossing subjective experience, usually Mm -hmm. in nature with strong emotions. Mm -hmm. So they were celebrating emotions, celebrating moments of bliss, sublime feeling, realization, and letting it stand by itself. Mm -hmm. So if a poet says, the sky is gray because I am so heartbroken, that's a romantic type idea, right? That like your soul and nature are reflecting Mm -hmm. each other and Mm -hmm. kind of tied up. Yes and echoing back and forth to each other Mm -hmm. and that nature is truth Mm -hmm. and that truth can be found in nature and in the subjective experience of feeling while in nature so instead of logic being the true truth Mm -hmm. nature Mm -hmm. now is okay yes so it so the poems become shorter looser more earthy and they love themes of course love (laughs) (laughs) beauty nature and then they turn they turn back to the ancients and they look at classical images and Mm. they love um so osmandius is a famous poem that many of us memorize so Mm -hmm. they turn back to the ruins left by ancient greek and roman culture to point the way and give new pagan symbols and pagan options Mm. they're looking for more than what they've had before Mm -hmm. so instead of looking to the brand new cutting edge 
progressive let's mm-hmm. look back further and mm-hmm. kind of dig into that okay yes. well interesting it looks yeah. like the you mm-hmm. mentioned looser form but it looks like this might be a little sonnet huh yes you yes. recognize that perfection mm-hmm. on the page of those lines so <laughs> yes so i'll um i'll read and they often took the first line and made it the title mm. so it's not a mistake that you're hearing the first line twice. <laughs> that is all purpose. The world is too much with us, late and soon. The world is too much with us, late and soon. Getting and spending, we lay waste our powers. Little we see in nature that is ours. We have given our hearts away, a sordid boon. The sea that bears her bosom to the moon. The winds that will be howling at all hours and are upgathered now like sleeping flowers. For this, for everything, we are out of tune. It moves us not. Great God, I'd rather be a pagan suckled in a creed outworn. So might I, standing on this pleasant lee, have glimpses that would make me less forlorn, have sight of Proteus rising from the sea. Or hear old Triton blow his wreathed horn. Hmm. So why is this the perfect introduction to romantic poetry? I love it as an introduction to romantic poetry because we see the ancient images of Proteus and Triton. So the sea god rising we hear Wordsworth's critique that we spend our time getting and spending, mm. that we've lost our hearts, we've lost our way, we've lost our power, and he says that he would rather have a creed outworn, something believable, old, so that he could have an experience, a mystical experience, of, mm. an experience of seeing in the inbreaking of something real, mystical, mythical, and true into his moment of nature standing on a hill looking at the ocean. Instead of just being part of the rat race, so to yes. speak. Yes. Yes, so he um, he sees nature and this mystical encounter with the ancient in nature is the answer to the getting and spending where we lay waste our powers, mm. abandon nature, and have sordid hearts. So... He is inviting us to find what we've lost in Mm -hmm. nature, and he's reaching very far back. Or at least to resist a little bit. Yes, inviting us to resist a little bit. Put your cell phone away for a few hours a day or something, I think that's what it means. Yes, (laughs) I think that's exactly what it means. (laughs) Thank you. What else did you bring? I love having someone read poems to me. It's yes. so fun. <laughs> um, I have another poem. So we'll go no more roving, and this is by Byron. Oh, Byron. I know. Lover boy. Oh, lover boy. So, of course, it is about love. But it is a, it is a poem about love that has an end. And it reflects Byron's feelings about love, that it should be unbound, limitless, it should have no end. So he's grieving a love that has ended mm-hmm. and, you know, fighting, fighting it. And he is bringing us to an understanding 
of love as something that is um, free. And his image for that is running around at night by moonlight. That's hmm. his image of love. Okay. Like that is what love is running around at night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, the romantics in Byron have chosen night to symbolize day. So, like an infant, he has switched his days and his oh, nights. No. Yes, and that is where life is. That is where love is. It's unbound, unorthodox free roving so the day is structured and full of rules but the Mm -hmm. night is wild and free yes okay so he's given us the night and so of course the moon is our light and then he brings in these beautiful images of love embodied love that is worn out all right this is a love that hasn't um run out for any other reason than physical expiration Okay, I'm looking forward to it. Go for it, Carrie. So we'll go no more roving. So we'll go no more roving so late into the night. Though the heart be still as loving and the moon be still as bright. For the sword outwears its sheath and the soul wears out the breast and the heart must pause to breathe and love itself have rest. Though the night was made for loving, and the day returns too soon, yet we'll go no more a-roving by the light of the moon. Sounds so familiar. I feel like those <laughs> lines are deep down in my memory somewhere. They got stuck. Mm-hmm. So familiar. Mm-hmm. It is not Byron's most famous mm. by any means, mm-hmm. but it is classic. And I feel as if it would be a classic poem to read at a celebration of life or a funeral because it is an end of it is an end of life moment to stop and say we still love but we can't run around anymore right so even though he wrote it about one of his many 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 girlfriends we can take that analogy over to different relationships yeah yes so rest as death so we'll sleep when we're dead, we'll rest. Mm-hmm. We'll rest That's when we're my dead. motto. <laughs> we'll sleep when we're dead. Yes. So, my my. Yeah, that's so mm-hmm. lovely. So, what are you, what book are you reading out of? Why don't you share the name oh, of that? Because yes. these are all out of the same slim little volume of poetry. They are. This is English Romantic poetry from Dover, hmm. in conjunction, I think, with Applebaum. So um, Stanley Applebaum has edited them, compiled them, selected them, and there is a lovely representation of romantic poems in this slim little volume. I see a lot of your little handwritten notes and post-its marking pages. (laughs) It looks like this Uh might be a Uh well-loved book. It is, and that was a favorite unit in teaching, Mm -hmm. to just pick up one, one book and have each poem a lesson and have each poem be an encounter with a poet. So before Mm -hmm. you read the last one, can you speak a little bit to what it was like to have 14 and 15 and 16 year olds (laughs) in the room as you explored these Mm. capital R romantic poems and these themes? Yes, yes, that's a great question. They loved love as a theme, (laughs) of course, and they deeply resonated with the emotions mm. of the poems, the raw emotion, and often came away feeling as if they had realized that they too 
we're romantics mm-hmm. living in our in our cultural moment that has progressed beyond romanticism and existentialism to postmodernism and now deconstructs everything but they were able to i think reclaim some of their own innocence mm-hmm. in saying we like love poems and we are romantics there's part of our soul that is romantics mm-hmm. and as postmoderns i don't think that they saw the context of that being nature which mm-hmm. i think would have been mm-hmm. lovely and a great addition mm-hmm. but the subjective experience of intense emotion yeah. was something that absolutely wrapped their minds around the teenagers yes. your high school students yes. yes i remember resonating with these fully as though they were the words of pop songs or something like oh yeah he's speaking my language yes. when i read these in high school my goodness yes so okay how about one more one more so my final poem that i've chosen to share today is by Keats and again it's not one of his most famous but it is one that I liked and it's called Happy is England and he uh, is setting up a contrast in this poem that I love between England and Italy. Yeah. Yes. I read this one this morning and thought, oh, a good yearning for Italy poem. There should be more of those. Yes. And, well, indeed, Italy, you know, the bed of the Renaissance, classic, you know, classic mythology. Um, we all have a yearning for Italy. Skies well, just the sunshine and the, the food. Sunshine. I mean, imagine being in England eating boiled potatoes and cabbage and knowing that so relatively close was a land of olives and grapes and, you know, sunshine and goat cheese. And yes. it just yes. seems like it'd be hard not to yearn oh. for that. Oh, <clears throat> absolutely. And for Keats, of course, he um, crystallizes that into nature. And we'll look at the water and the colors and the ocean that is so much more pleasant in Italy. Mm. But he will also contrast Italy's women and England's women. And so rather than bringing in food, which, yes, I would have done, he will compare their daughters and their their skies. International bachelor (laughs) or something for us to listen in on his preferences. Those romantics, unbound. (laughs) So... I'll read this, yes. So we have, happy is England. Happy is England. I could be content to see no other verdure than its own, to feel no other breezes than are blown through its tall woods with high romances blent. Yet do I sometimes feel a languishment for skies Italian and an inward groan to sit upon an alp as on a throne, and half forget what world or worldling meant. Happy is England, sweet her artless daughters, enough their simple loveliness for me, enough their whitest arms in silence clinging. Yet do I often warmly burn to see beauties of deeper glance and hear their singing, and float with them about the summer waters. Oh. <laughs> yes. So, 
England is an artless, simple girl clinging to him in silence. With white arms. With white arms. Lily white. <laughs> because she never sees the sun. <laughs> but Keats wants to summer in Italy. He wants to float about the Mediterranean with beauties of deeper glance. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh my. My, my, my. That's fun. Yeah. It is really fun and really funny. And he could be content, yet he yearns, yet he languishes, yet he groans. Mm -hmm. Yet England is a white, simple girl clinging to him in silence. Which is nice for nine months of the year, but then you need an Italian vacation. <laughs> Don't oh, we all? Keats. Don't we all? Keats is on to something. <laughs> yeah, well, now I'm in the mood to go to Italy myself, but I'm thinking more of the food and the. Yes. Vineyards the food and such. Yeah. And the water. Mm-hmm. And floating about the summer waters. He's yes. right. We all need to summer. Yes. <laughs> well, Carrie, thank mm -hmm. you so much for sharing these three beautiful poems today and having this chat with me and finally bringing some romance to the podcast. <laughs> well, you're welcome, Mary. My pleasure. It is a true joy to revisit them. Part of my vision for Take This Poem was to have it be interactive. I imagined it as a virtual bonfire poetry reading where friends, family, local poets, and you can come together to warm our hands on some poetry. So what would that look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. You could send me a voice recording of you reading a poem to be included in a mailbag poetry reading. Commenting on the poem is welcome, but optional. Don't be shy. It's the only voice you got. What better use for it do you have than reading beautiful words out loud? Also, you could request a poem that you'd like to hear me read and ponder on the show. Or tell me what you've been thinking about these days and I could play literary matchmaker and choose a poem for you. And by the way, I am aware that I have a small but loyal following of youngsters out there and these invitations are all open to them as well. Send any of these or other ideas you have to take this poem podcast at gmail.com and join me in sharing good poems with this little community. I hope to hear from you soon.